This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, this week I am super, super excited. Eric and I have had conversations about barbecue and travel, food, men. I mean, <laughs> this it's just been a fantastic time. And so I'm looking forward to you hearing his story and the journey he's been on and what he does with men. So Eric Rogel is a men's coach. He's a podcast host, best-selling author. Um, Eric's done a ton and, uh, man, just the adventures he's been on, the growth he's gone through absolute amazing man. So I'm super excited for our conversation today. Eric, how are you doing today? My friend, <laughs> I'm doing great, Mike. And you know, it's an honor to be here. I'm real excited about this. Like you said, we've had some fantastic conversation beforehand and I'm looking to get even deeper into some of the stuff that we've talked about. Yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. I'm like wishing I know you're in Florida and I'm in Kansas. I wish there was like a teleportation device because we've talked about food and I'm like, Eric, you and I would put on dinners that it's just like, oh, my gosh. So we will get there one day, my friend. But uh, yeah. until then, I will be drooling and waiting with eager anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Me, too. Because, yeah, I think it was barbecue we were talking about, right? We were. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you so, had some amazing recipes and stories of mm, stuff you've done from, you know, being in the restaurant business. And I was like, mm -hmm. this would be trouble. Well, yeah, I'm all about putting some flame to some meat. So anytime we can get that going, I'm in. Absolutely. Uh, if we could, let's start out. What does it look like for you today on the professional side of life? Sure. You know, um, interesting because that's one of the, that's a question I get asked very seldomly, which is interesting. Everybody wants to dive into the past first. So really glad that you said that. Professionally right now, what's great is I am in command of my own life, my own career. Wasn't for a long time. I was at the whim of others, but breaking out and it's, you know, um, I've always had my own businesses, but really being far more in command now of my life, of my profession, of what I do, who I take on as clients, uh, where I go, the events that I put together, all of that far more in, in command now. So really just kind of loving where that is uh, professionally. Cool. Um, and let's, before we move off the professional side, let's talk about your upcoming book, man, because <laughs> Lions Raised as Lambs. I'm like, that's a freaking killer title. Tell and me I, about yeah. like uh, what the book's about, if you would. Yeah, and I'm glad you like the title. I, I have to admit, I didn't come up with it. I was with a group of guys. And we were trying to come up with a title for the new book. And it just kind of was one of those things where in the group, it got a bunch of different things got bounced around and lions raised as lambs came out of it, which is really what the book is about. It's really it's a story of, of my journey. But when I say my journey, I am not unique in any way. This is the same journey that I hear from a lot of men. You and I have had this conversation, some very 
similar upbringing, similar background. And it's about those of us as men who um, feel that that deep inner gnawing in us. We know that there's that beast inside us. That, And I say that in a beautiful way. It's just an amazing part of who we are as men. But many of us were raised to deny that beast, to be afraid of that beast, to push that beast down. And so for me, it's like the metaphor fits. It's a lion. Mm. We are lions as men. And we have that as part of who we are. And so many of us were raised as lambs. We were raised to be soft. You know, we talked about this when you and I spoke, my, my joke. And I actually heard Howard Stern say it recently in an interview. So I might have heard it from him years ago. So I want to give him credit. But I always say that, um, my, you know, my mom raised me like a veal. You know, I had to be very soft and tender. I couldn't get bumped or bruised. I had to sit quietly in a corner and I rebelled against that. And it, and it really had me angry for a lot of my youth, a lot of, you know, up until my twenties, when I really started to go on this journey and say, all right, well, I'm out from mama's house and I can kind of go on this journey and find my own way and realized there was this lion inside of me. And I realized there's this lion inside of other men. So the book Lions Raised as Lambs is really spectacular. I wrote it with my mentor who was really instrumental in kind of getting me to tap back into that side of myself, which is real. All of this transformation took place. And one of the things I'll say is, you know, it's, it's really the only way for men to really tap into who we are as men is through guidance from men who have been there before us, mentors who have been on this path before we were. And he was on the path before I was. He was raised completely opposite the way that I was raised. So if you want to look at it, I was raised in a culture of fear. City boy, grew up in a metropolitan area, like I said, single mom. And I was told everything was dangerous. Everything was going to hurt me. Everything was going to kill me. So kind of you know, don't stand out. Don't be bold. Don't, you know, just walk around afraid. And that's kind of how I was raised. My mentor, Rob, on the other hand, was raised in cattle culture. And he was, you know, his, his guys were cowboys. He was raised by John Wayne figures. And he was working on a cattle ranch since he was eight or nine years old. And then when he turned 18, he uh, went into the Marines all courage based. So you're looking at my culture of fear versus his culture of courage. And that's really what the book lays out is the only way I could possibly have made that transformation. The only way I could possibly have found the right way to tap into my beast, my lion, that part of me, my masculinity was guidance from someone who's been there before and it had to be another man. And so that's really what the book is about. It's about, you know, lions who've been raised by lambs, but we're not here to talk about the problem and victimhood and say, oh, poor us. It's about, hey, this happened. This is how we were raised. And here's the solution. Here's the way out. So that's why I'm excited for it to come out because my, my hope and my intention for the book, I shouldn't say hope, my intention for the book is that it um, inspires men who are raised that way, who feel that way, who know and feel deep inside that that lion is in there. It doesn't matter how old you are. 
that can come out. And there is a brotherhood of really good men out there who are willing to show you the way and guide you along that path. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm pumped for the book because it's like you and I have both come from that kind of veal side where it was like, you know, we've talked about sports and how we weren't allowed. And it was that same thing for me, you know, yeah. mom was like, nope, you can't play tennis, can't play swimming. You can't be on the teams. And it's like the coaches are going, please. So yeah, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. Well, she was terrified of me getting hurt. Here's a really fun thing. And I think if you know men out there that are listening can probably relate to this, see if you relate to this, but all I wanted to do when I was a kid and I grew up in New York and there used to be these, um, uh, commercials for this martial arts. It was a karate school. Oh man, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. But those of you that grew up around that time in the seventies in New York know what I'm talking about. He would advertise all the time. And all I wanted to do was go take these karate classes because it just drew me. I was like, this is what I've been looking for. I think I can do this. And mom was like, no, there's no way you're not going to do this. You're going to get, you're going to break your, you know, break bones and you're going to get hurt and you're going to be injured. And what I found, Mike, is that when I got to college, the very first night I was in college, it was on the dinner line in the dorm, in the, in the, um, the dining hall in the dorm. And there was a sign on the wall for a, um, a Taekwondo club. And I tore off the little number and I caught, and I, that was it. I was in. And I will tell you what, my mom was right. I got, I broke bones. I got cut. I got bruised. I got hurt, but I will tell you, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. Tell me if you feel the same way, but I loved it. It was like I was alive and it wasn't the pain. It was like badges of honor. I was, I was moving forward. I was learning. I was strengthening myself going forward. So, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that was it for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's the path I want to be on. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and understand in my mom's defense, it was one that I would play football on the, on the cul-de-sac where I lived. And, you know, I broke my index finger. I broke my thumb one year, I had pins put in. Um, I can tell you that trying to live the Olympic dream of, you know, doing like the, the big, uh, jumps do not, do not try those on metal slides after it has rained. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. I ended up having a second elbow cause I broke both the ulna and my radius on my forearm. And so it was just kind of swinging. It's like, I don't think there's supposed to be three joints in my arm, you oh, know? Wow. And, yeah, uh, but how did you feel when you did that? Like, were you like, because for me, I've broken, you know, several ribs, my nose three times, all my fingers, yeah. my foot in six places during a martial arts exhibition. And for me, it was more like, wow, I live through this. I keep moving forward. It was a, a really tremendous feeling. Like I said, badge of honor is really the only thing I can say. I mean, even though yeah. it's, you know, you don't go out there looking to do it, but having had it happen, it wasn't what my mom had told me it would be, I guess is my point. Yeah. It wasn't life threatening. It didn't make me shun and go down. It was like, cool. I want to heal up and get back out there. Yeah. Right. Well, there's, I mean, I totally get it. Cause I was back out there playing football, not much longer after the cast came off. And then it was like, well, you, you know, fractured your other finger. It's like, 
okay, great. They heal. <laughs> it's hey, like, we know they heal. You know, we've been yeah. through it. We get it. Absolutely. It takes the fear away of, of, of falling. It takes the fear away of getting injured. It takes the, all that to me. Mm-hmm. It takes all that away. And, and it's part of, listen, I mean, look, we, we, we're talking about the transformation here. And, and part of it is one of the things that I've learned, especially through my mentor, uh, other mentors, you know, in martial arts instructors, sports coaches, all of these things throughout my life is, and then, and even like, you know, you said, I host a podcast and I talk to men about their story kind of much like you do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I found is that many of these challenges or what we'd say were failures or screw ups or mistakes, or those are the things they look to and say, that was the most transformational part of my life. That challenge that almost took me down or looked like on the surface, like it was taking me down, that didn't take me down. That made me stronger. That was fuel for me getting stronger. And so I look at it back then is my mom protecting me from this stuff. Was it making me stronger? Mm-hmm. Getting out there, you know, falling down, getting up, getting bruised, getting banged up, getting back up, taking the punch, getting back up. All of that getting back up is what makes it for you. Yeah. So that was really a lot of the transformation for me was I really got to learn what I could handle and pretty much I can handle anything. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's, that's where I think we, you know, we need to get to. I think it's like, it almost teaches us resilience right? That we are more than we've been led to believe that we, we are or can be. And so it's like, it stretches you. It's almost, um, you know, like dough is probably not the best example, but I think like with, with plastics, right. They get stretched and then they get reapplied and then they get stretched again. And it's like that endurance, that, that durability gets formed and forged in that. Um, and I'm, pretty sure my son does welding i'm pretty sure that's like you know part of what welding does you know like as you're uh adding that that additional layer that strength to it um you know that's the stuff that we missed out in missing out <laughs> was yeah by being yeah. Re- held back but i mean the thing Absolutely. is and this is what like you and i have talked about we have a choice like that was a time in life we're not still in that time of life. And so remaining that victim is a choice we're making, not that was forced upon us. Is that something that like you, you see that you agree or hear? Huge. I mean, listen, in in my work and in my world, there's no room for victim. There isn't it's, it's extreme ownership. I think that was Jocko Willink who said that for, you know, I love that phrase, extreme ownership. And we always talked about ownership in my work, but I like the extreme in front of it that he put. So I'm borrowing that Jocko, but um, it is about owning everything that's happened to you. So I talk about my mom a lot, talk about my dad a lot. You know, my dad was a hero to me when I was a kid, but I always felt shunned by him. And then he left, Mm -hmm. right. He left um, and went and had another family. He got married again and had another family. And, you know, my brother and I had always talked about, you know, dad did this and that, that, and what I really came to understand. And as I told my story about my mother more and more, you know, in interviews and in stories, the thing is, you know what, thank God for them. 
thank God for my parents because I wouldn't be where I am now and doing the work that I do now if it hadn't been for them. And, you know, mom, she was doing the best she could with the tools she had. And that's, and she was doing it out of love. I mean, she didn't keep me from doing things because she didn't like me and she wanted to punish me. She did it because she loved me and she didn't want me to get hurt. And that's all she knew how to do. Mm-hmm. So looking at it now, you know, it was, you know, I created that. We'll just say I created having my mom that way so that I could become the man that I am today. Mm-hmm. I had that experience. That's the journey that I took. So that's my ownership of that. And once you do that, Mike, it's, it's incredibly freeing because now, you know, you're not blaming, I call it the blame thrower. Like you take out your blame thrower, you just burn everybody to the ground. You don't have that anymore. You're owning it. And you're like, wow. Okay. So this happened. Mm -hmm. What's my end of it? What did I do to cause this? And that's even with my parents, what did I do? So at some point on some cosmic level, and I believe in that. Mom and I had an agreement that this is how we were going to be in this lifetime. Mm. So I can't blame her for anything. She did exactly what I wanted her to do to get me to be the man that I am now. And if doing that helps, however many other men get on their path, get on you know their journey to whatever transformation they need to make to become the man they want to be, then so be it. That's the beauty of what my journey has been. So that's how I look at all of that. Yeah, I love that. Well, let me backtrack us for a second because I took sure. us on a bunny trail there. <laughs> what what does life look like for you on the personal side right now? Oh, things are awesome. I have a um, an amazing woman that uh, we we just bought a house together. So uh, she's someone that I will say I have been searching for for a long time. So in my, in my work, I talk about the warrior, the lover, the king, and the hero. We work with men, right? So the warrior is that side of us that is driven and ambitious and the leader and courage, bold, guardian, steward, all of these great things, maverick, uh, explorer that we love about that side of us. And the, the lover side is our heart, but it's not weakness, right? So it's wisdom and creativity and abundance and uh, patience and playfulness and all of these great things that make life really juicy. And when you can integrate those two things, that's when you elevate to King. And so when I work with men, I tell them live from King, your warrior, your lover. Now, when you're living from King, you really want a very strong, powerful queen by your side. And this is one thing that I think a lot of men and women don't understand. When we talk about getting men to step into their masculine, step into their king, it's not at the expense of the woman. It is at the grace of the woman, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Because in, in women that I've spoken to understand this, when the man steps up into his king, she can relax into her divine queen. And that's all we all want. Yeah. We want all of us living as kings and queens. And so I had been searching for my queen my very powerful, capable, beautiful, amazing woman. And I found her and I, and I can tell you, <laughs> and I, you mentioned at the, the beginning of the show that I'm a best-selling author. I wrote a book called the art of war for dating many years ago. It was great. A publisher approached me. They'd seen some of my writing online uh, when I was a journalist 
And um, they said, we think you're the guy to write this. And I wrote it. It's a terrible, terrible book. Don't read it. I will tell anyone out there listening, don't go read it. But I did, you know, a lot of research, we'll call it research for the book and dated a lot of, uh, a lot of women. And I could tell that I was searching for something. Hmm. And I will tell you in my experience, in, in my own journey and in working with a lot of men um, and women that looking out there, a lot of times in our relationships, we're looking out there for somebody to fulfill what we need in here, mm-hmm. right? So we're looking for them to love us. We're looking for them to validate us as men, right? That's why we date, you know, trophy wives, right? That's, oh, I'm a big shot because I have this beautiful woman. She, have you seen who I'm dating? Have you seen? I get guys all the time send me pictures of their girlfriend. Look at who I'm dating. Look how beautiful she is. I'm like, something's missing, right? You're looking for the validation. You're looking for something out there. Well, there is nothing out there. You can only come from in here. You can only love someone else to the degree that you love yourself. You can only value someone else to the degree you value yourself. You can only respect, honor, love, whatever it may be, someone else to the extent you do that to yourself. So until you get it in here, it's not going to come out there. And I had to learn that the hard way. I went through relationship after relationship looking for her to validate something in me, looking for her to tell me I was awesome or I was strong or I was the king and have her tell me all these things. And inevitably I'd screw it up somehow, right? Because it was a pattern. I'm looking for you to tell me until I started working with, you know, my mentor and and getting on this path and transforming and realizing it's got to come from me. Was I able to find that queen that I had been looking for uh, all these years? So I would tell anyone, you know, looking to transform the personal relationship side, she's not going to give it to you. And ladies, he's not going to give it to you. You give it to you and then you guys can be greatness together as in a relationship. That's the only way it's going to work. So, you know, that's really where I'm coming from now. Uh, it's been a few years now with her. And I can tell you, having lived and experienced both sides, both ways, far more on the on the limiting side, on the negative side, than I am now, it is the only way to live. And the you know we challenge each other. Uh, I won't say it's like, well, we never argue, we never get. No, we we actually had an uh, uh, I'll just call it a spirited discussion. I call them growth discussions because you you grow when you get something out of it. We had one of those this morning. Um, and it's great because we can look at ourselves and again, taking ownership. Okay. I get what's coming up and she gets what's coming up and we can move past it in an hour rather than, you know, resenting each other for a week, but we challenge each other and we push each other. We hold each other accountable and we also love and care for and adore and honor each other. So it's, um, it's a very different relationship. I urge anyone out there listening to, to go find your queen because your life will be so much richer for it. Yeah. It's it's amazing once we become that king where you're talking about, you know, the 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 confidence, the courage and the heart, mm-hmm. we step into that space just like you're talking about, you know, her being her fullness as a queen. It's it, there's not that intimidation that as my wife steps into the roles that I'm supposed to fill, I'm not intimidated or confronted by that and instead she can relax and step into what she's gifted for and i can Mm -hmm. be in the place i'm gifted for 
the space we make is amazing. It's not like always a 10, but dude, just like you're talking about, yeah, we were done in an hour instead of a week. Eric, I remember being like three days where it was like families on eggshells and like, what's going to set off dad. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not that kind of stuff happening. Does it still happen? You know, where it's like, Hey, dad's upset, you know, kind of, I, I misstep, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm human. It's going to happen, but there's more grace and compassion because they see this is not the norm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not that dictatorial king or you know which is what exactly i was it's not the king yeah. but it's a dictator in that place sure. um, we call the limiting king the, yeah. the, the best example of that that i love is um joaquin phoenix as commodus in the movie Ma- uh gladiator mm. it was an absolute masterclass in the limiting king he was the entitled prince who demanded to be king and that's what we see a lot so there is a limiting side, but it's when, like what you said, when we become aware of that and we see that and we can shift it and go, ah, ownership again, man, I was in my limiting. I was being an ass. I was being dictatorial. I was being whatever it is. I can shift back to the, you know, the empowering side. Right. And that's really the key thing. And I tell the guys that I work with, you know, the awareness of that is 99% of the battle. Cause when it's a blind spot and you can't see it, or you are unwilling to look at it? Mm-hmm. It's going to persist. It's going to keep going. So being able to, you know, widen back, take a breath. <sighs> yeah. All right. That's what I was being. Yeah. My warrior, the limiting side of the warrior. Like I said, all those really empowering things before about courage and, you know, um, guardian and adventure and all that. The limiting side is bully and overbearing and violent and, you know, all of those sides. That's the limiting side. And when we can look at that part of our king and go, Mm-mm. we can flip it. Right. Absolutely. Right. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough, and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Well, we touched a little bit on, you know, you went to college, you got into Taekwondo and it's like, you're, you're stepping out of, you know, the, the framework that was set for you, you know, operate out of fear. You're, you're more pushing those boundaries. And you then went to working as a journalist for like a men's magazine, doing travel gadgets, like all this stuff that, yeah, you know, most guys would look at, dude, Eric, how did you land this dream job? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm thinking like, okay, this is, you know, as you're growing and kind of stretching into it, what would have been the challenges as a man who's not fully stepped into that, that healed King, that, mm-hmm. you know, that embracing King, um, like, what are the challenges that you would have faced? being around other men, um, you know, as you're trying to, to work with them, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I guess I see what you're saying. And, 
you know, for me, uh, I had had a, a kind of a journey and a path before I became a journalist and I fell backwards into it. So people ask me all the time, how did this happen? I'm like, I fell backwards into it. I was a creative director for a long time. Um, and I, I, I had a production company. We were doing magazines for independent publishers. So I had some big name clients that wanted vanity magazines for their companies. They would come to me. I would create it. I had full staff, full team, writers, artists, salespeople, distribution, printers, the whole thing. And for one of my, one of my clients asked me to write an article for them. And I did, and it was great and it was popular and they wanted me to do it again. And then again, and again, the next thing I know I'm writing and, and I won't go through the whole thing, but I ended up writing. I had my own publication. I was one of the original men's lifestyle uh, we, they were blogs is what, you know, we were calling this is back in the early two thousands. And there was a, you know, news aggregation site called dig. I don't know if you remember dig, but it was like, huge at the time. It was like before Reddit became really big. And if you hit the front page of dig, like your stuff would just go viral, it would explode. And it was do my stuff was doing this on a regular basis. So I had a site called, if anyone out there remembers this, but it was called the bachelor guy. And I was the bachelor guy and I'm working in the magazines and these reps start saying, Hey, Hey, who's the bachelor guy? We want to send him off and go do this. We want him to write about this. We want him to do this. And I'm like, guys, it's me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm like, I just, I'm, my job is to stay here and make things look pretty, get the magazine out. <clears throat> and I, I ended up for almost 10 years traveling around the world, doing really crazy stuff uh, and writing about it. And I wrote for Discovery Channel and I wrote for Men's Fitness and I wrote a couple things for Maxim and I wrote for, you know, some of the big sites online for men. And uh, it was a great experience. And like you said, a lot of it was adventure travel. Now, what I would find for me, so, you know, follow me here with this. This was the toughest part. It wasn't so much being on the trips because I had become like seasoned at hiking and rock climbing and, you know, four wheeling and the things they would make, you know, not make us do the things they would have available for us. And you get to know a lot of the guys that are on there. So we became very good friends. They became like brothers. So what it really was the tougher part for me was the experts that they had to guide us. See, I hadn't yet learned honor. That was a big one for me. So, you know, we talked about limiting sides. Mm-hmm. Honor is, is obviously very empowering. But what would happen for me was I would have to interview a guy. Um, let's, just, let's just say Tony Horton, because we were talking about him a minute ago. I interviewed him. You interviewed him. Yeah. He is an absolutely fantastic guy and an amazing interview, amazing, successful, just gracious, amazing guy. But when I got the assignment to interview Tony, you know, I, I know who he was. My girlfriend at the time was watching P90X every day. She was doing it. We had a home gym. She was doing P90X and Tony and all this. And I'm reading his bio and all of his success. And my reaction was screw that guy. I didn't like him. I, I, uh, I'm going to write an article about what, uh, whatever he is. And I'm going to make it next because inside of me, what was missing was my own honor for myself, my own sense of accomplishment, my own sense of success. So when I would interview these people and it was men and women, but especially the men, when I would interview somebody like Tony Horton, an incredibly popular, incredibly successful, made his own way kind of guy, I would start coming at it from the negative. 
Now, and I'm, I'm sure it skewed some of my writing. Now, Tony, as soon as I got on the phone with him, flipped me because I was like, this guy's awesome. He's just, just a great guy. But a lot of guys weren't. Some of them were like, you know, some of these celebrities are very, and I'm sure you've had this experience, like pulling teeth. They don't really want to talk to you. They're told they have to by their publicist. They don't know who you are. They get on and I would be like, cool. Now I get to like obliterate this guy in print. That to me was the biggest challenge, Mike, because one of the things that I've learned and, you know, we have in my work, what we call the sacred seven core values. And that's what we strive to live by every day. And it's courage is first. You need courage before you can do anything, but it's courage and honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. And when I finally broke into honor, which is I could look at a man, any, anyone really, but look at someone successful that I had an interview and go, wow, that's incredible what he was able to do. I want to learn from this guy. I want to hear as much as I can about his story because I'm in awe of it. It's just amazing. And to understand that he's a king in his world and I'm a king in my world and we don't have to compete because he's successful. It doesn't make me any less successful in what I'm doing and I can honor him and he can honor me by telling the story and maybe asking questions about mine and, and we can build something from there. This brotherhood of great men. I was definitely at that time that I was doing the journalism on the other side of that. I was on the don't like this guy. want to tear him down. He's better than me. He thinks he's better than me, which is really just me thinking he's better than me. Right. And I got past that. And I got past that with the help of, like I said, my mentors and, and, understanding that no great men honor great men. And now I go around, you know, still a little bit of it there, but I go around looking at some of these men and I'm like, man, really, it's amazing. And now I can have a conversation with them. So I think for me on the, on the, the journalism side, that was the biggest kind of awakening for me was how much I really dishonored the men that were around me and a hundred percent came from in here. It was all me. It was all me not honoring and loving myself. Do you see that also happening within other men that maybe they're within corporate? Are they dishonoring like their supervisors or their colleagues who they may see more gifted or, you know, um, just in a better position? Do you see that occurring? within other men you talk to? Yeah. You know, I can't speak for them really. I would say in the men that I've had, ex you know, experience with that I've either had as clients or friends or whatever it may be. Yeah. That that's come up a lot. Now there's two sides to it. You know, one is, yeah, not honoring the, the, the guy who's your boss. And the other side of it, it there's a lot of people out there in leadership positions who frankly shouldn't be in leadership positions. You know, we talked about the entitled prince and it's like, well, I'm your boss because I have the title. So you don't, I don't have to earn your respect and I don't care about your respect. I am over you. And that's not a great you know, place to be either. So I think there are a lot of factors that go into that. It is the, you know, I don't want to honor you. And then maybe you don't deserve it, you know, deserve my respect and honor. And then the other side of like demanding that respect, demanding that honor, 
not because of who I am being as a person, but because I have the title, so I can do whatever I want. And that's not really the place you want to be as a leader. The place you want to be in a leader is I've earned it. I'm earning respect every day. I'm giving respect. I'm expecting respect in return. And this is where I want to be. So I, I think there is a, a bit of that, but I think it comes from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that from both sides where it's like, I've been the insecure one. Mm. And I've also served under people that are insecure. And mm. when you have two insecure people, it doesn't really create a secure environment. It's not yeah. conducive. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that, you know, we, we're doing the work that we're doing. I don't care what the work is. I always say, you know, we've had this conversation. They don't have to work with me. They don't have to work with you. They could read a book, seek out a mentor, whatever it is. But the only way men learn how to be good men is guidance and mentorship from good men. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. And, and we've lost a lot of our role models. We don't have them that much anymore. I mean, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but we're, we're working to bring that back and, and give men some really good role models and things they can do. So these leaders that are in these leadership positions, a lot of times are letting whatever is going on in here run them or they're mimicking the bad habits of those that came before them. And they think that's the way they should be a leader. And it's not, um, you know, it's not usually a lot of times not ideal. Sometimes they're taking out their personal stuff on the people you know, that are working below them or with them or for them. And, and, um, you know, and the, the, the great thing about it though is Mike is if somebody gets a hold of, of these people. It's not a difficult thing to get them on the right side. And operating from their king, operating from their queen, if it's a woman, um, and really moving towards hero, which is the ultimate archetype, where you're just doing for others and creating kings and queens around you. Uh, it's not difficult to get them there. A lot of times it's just like an awareness pop where they go, oh, well, crap, I didn't see that I've been doing that in my whole life. Like, I just thought that was the way it was. A lot of times it is that, you know, I mean, I operated that way for a long time. I, I thought this is how men behaved because right. that's what I saw around me until I saw the other side of it. And I went, oh, wait, no, no, that's the way, it, you know, I want to be. So, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, like we said, it, it is uh, can be prevalent, especially in corporate America. But I, I don't think it's a difficult thing to turn. And I think a lot of these people that are in that position, I'm just speaking because I've, I, you know, I, I work with a lot of them. They want to be better. They genuinely want to be better. They're just, they don't have the guidance to do that. Yeah. There's not that example that's within yeah. their environment. That's right. And I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was going to clarify and say that there's not, that there's not examples. They haven't found them yet. Right. Right. It's not in their environment. They haven't been able to find them yet. But when, you know, listen, when we do, and like I said, I've seen it hundreds of times, it is simple to make the transformation. I won't say easy, but I'll say simple to make the transformation. And I always liken it to golf. Golf is a simple game. Take a club, hit a ball, put it in the hole, right? There's not much, <laughs> not much else to do, but the mastery of it is what 
makes it such a challenge and so beautiful and why we love it. And it's the same thing with the transformation. It's simple. And I try to keep it as simple as possible for the, the, the men that I work with, but it's, it's a muscle. You've got to flex it. You've got to practice it. You've got to step into it every day. I know I do. And thank God I've got my mentor to, you know, put his boot in my butt. If I get out of line or forget things or start getting a little bit down, you know, off the path a little bit. And that's what we're here for, for each other as men. And I think we've lost that to an extent also of holding each other accountable, letting each other know that there are consequences when we go off the path. Um, and that's gone on for too long too. So it's, it's up to us to keep each other, um, on the path and on the track. And those that really want to be the best men that they can be, mm-hmm. the best man that they can be, that we be there to help them unleash that greatness. What, and you've mentioned your mentor. I know that's, mm-hmm. you know, a tool that's, that's been just had amazing dividends in your life and helping you transform. What else has bought, brought about transformation that you would say, Hey, these are tools that any man can tap into that can bring about transformation in their life as well. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, listen, I'm big on experience, having an experience and sharing your experience, right? That's my, my big, um, my big thing is it's all about experience. You know, you can, uh, read a book about Texas. You can look at maps on Texas. You can watch videos and travelogues on Texas. But until you've been to Texas, you ain't never been to Texas, right? I mean, it's the experience. Exactly. So what I would say the best tools are, like if you don't have a mentor yet, um, there's a couple things. One of them is, and I've found this to be an amazing tool, is get out into nature. Just... Get out into nature. You know, I have a group that does this, but, you know, I always say, get out of the office, get out of your house, get out of your head. And you'd be amazed because nature, and this is not just me saying it. I I have the experience of what it is, but I've also did a lot of research on it beforehand. I have some great guys that I work with for travel and they've been doing transformational travel a ton. And they put me onto some great writings on the healing of nature. And I think even in in, uh, Japan, they have a thing, there's a term and it translates into forest bath or forest bathing. And instead of therapy, they actually send them out into a forest to just breathe and sit and decompress. And so I would say for any man who hasn't found a mentor yet and is looking actually for an experience, Mm -hmm. get your butt outside, get out into nature as much as possible. We spend so much time indoors now as men offices, especially with like, you know, the pandemic and the lockdown that we just, you know, came out of everyone was inside for so long. Nature is what you really want to get to. And I mean, I don't care what it is. You want you can sit on your front porch and look at a tree. You can go out to a park, sit on a bench, sit next to a lake, go on a, go mountain biking. I like the the physical challenge in nature too. So like mountain biking, uh, kayaking, I love, Um, you know, rock climbing, uh, whatever it is for you, challenging hikes. Um, You will be amazed at the transformation, just getting outside, tapping back into that wild man part of you. 
is going to, it'd be amazing. So I would say get out as much as you can. And, you know, we have a practice that my mentor and I came up with, we call it lion stalking. I won't get into the whole of it, but it's essentially being fully present out in nature. And if you imagine yourself as a lion stalking prey, they use all of their senses, sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, when they're out there and they're stalking. If you as a man go out into nature, and I I do this with all my groups, and we take them through a whole practice, but the the gist of it and the quick part for the audience is just go out and pretend you're uh, a lion stalking prey and get fully present and look and see how many birds, if I hear a bird, can I find it? Or can I find insects walking on the, on the ground or in the grass? If I smell like food cooking, can I tell where it's, which house it's coming from? Or what, you know, if there's a restaurant nearby, it's just really immersing yourself in nature itself with all of your senses. Uh, you can do this for 10 minutes and it'll change your life, right? So I would say the one tool that anybody can use and it's free is just get outside, get back into nature, spend as much time out there as you can. You will be, this is why you never see cowboys on a psychiatrist couch, right? <laughs> they are outside in nature, dealing with nature, being one with nature every day, their whole life. And I've met a lot of cowboys and a lot of them are the most you know, masculine king archetype men that I've ever met. They're men that stick to their word. They're men that are very in tune with who they are as a person. And they're men who are very, very tapped into their beast nature, as well as, you know, the heart nature, because a lot of these guys write poetry and they play music and they, you know, create it's the both sides. And so, you know, they're in nature all day, every day. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, what's helped. So get outside, get out into nature. It'll help. I promise you. Yeah, it helps. I mean, because it's like, from what you've described, it's like your senses are being heightened, but it's Mm. also, you know, if you're out there, you're getting vitamin D, you know, which helps your body because we're locked inside the house so often it's like vitamin D is what, you know, like you don't get that, but there's also like an energy that comes about it. I know with you being in Florida, it's like, you're walking along the beach, you're going to get that, that energy from the waves crashing. And it's like, it energizes us differently than if we're just sitting in an office chair all day. So that's a hundred percent, Mike, a hundred percent. I mean, you get out into nature and you will feel different. Yeah. But like when you just said, there's an energy part of what getting out in nature does too. And why I have the guys do the lion stalking is it gets you out of here. Get you out of your head because we're living in our heads all day. And this thing's your enemy. This thing is just, you know, yakking at you all day long. You get out into nature and you can actually just kind of, whoo, I can get present. I can just be. And I, you know, I, I lived, um, you know, we just moved, but I lived very close to the beach for a long time. And I would go to the beach regularly. And I used to call it going to church, right? Because I would go out and sit on the seawall in Fort Lauderdale and, you know, face out into the water and do a meditation practice regularly. I have a um, thing that I've done every New Year's Day for the past, I don't know how many years. I wake up early and I go to the beach and I spend New Year's morning 
on the beach doing a meditation practice, getting, you know, set for the rest of the year. And there is a completely different vibration when you do that. And it gets you out of your head, gets you out of everything. And it is, it is just so healing. I can't, I can't say enough about it. Yeah. There's dividends that, I mean, it would, it would take a whole episode to talk about in and of itself, <laughs> just between the meditation and being in nature. I mean, sure. That's a whole conversation yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, Eric, my friend, dude, thank you um, <laughs> for joining me, sharing your stuff, like the insight, your wisdom. Absolutely love talking with you. Um, how can men reach out to you outside of this podcast? How can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a couple ways and they can get me, just go to ericrogel.com. So it's E-R-I-C-R-O-G-E-L-L.com. That's my site. There'll be a way to, you know, contact me there. And, um, I'm also, you know, on LinkedIn, I'm the only Eric Rogel on LinkedIn. And I always tell guys, look, man, <clears throat> it's about courage, boldness. That's the warrior side. Reach out. I love having conversations. I, I, I talk to guys all day long. I got a guy I've been talking to for a few days in the Philippines who's, you know, read some of the stuff and seen some of the things. And he's like, Hey, I'm going through this right now. And I really love this part. And I love that. And I'm like, he's in the Philippines and he thought to reach out. And I'm like, that is awesome. I love having conversations from men, you know, all over the world, what you're going through. Cause we are all brothers and we're all one in the same and we're all going through the same. I say, we go through the same stuff, just a different flavor. So reach out ericrogel.com or reach, you know, get to me on LinkedIn, um, <clears throat> you know, Instagram, I'm on there too, all the social media, just reach out and uh, I'll respond. I don't have like a team of people who do this for me. This is me. And I love to have the conversation. So yeah, definitely reach out. Sounds great. Thank you again, my friend. I appreciate it, Eric. Oh, absolutely. Listen, man, it's been my pleasure, my honor to be here. It's fun. You know, I love talking about this stuff. So you know, I, I really appreciate the invitation to come on and just have a great conversation with you. Well, it, it has been a blast, my friend. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.